What is the role of artificial intelligence in compliance? What about machine learning? Are you using chat GPT? These questions are but three of the many questions we will explore in this exciting new podcast series, Compliance and AI. Hosted by Tom Fox, the award-winning voice of compliance, this podcast will look at how AI will impact compliance programs into the next decade and beyond. If you want to find out why the future is now, join Tom Fox on this journey to the frontiers of compliance in compliance and AI. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, I visit with Vinay Kumar, whose company helps businesses in regulated industries use AI to make their processes more efficient, quicker, and at the end of the day, help make the companies more profitable. I know you'll enjoy this episode of Compliance and AI. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today I have with me Vinay Kumar. Vinay, first of all, thank you. First of all, welcome. But thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Absolutely. Pleasure is mine, Tom. Vinay, where are you physically located? Uh, I currently work out of Mumbai in India. Welcome again. Vinay, could you tell us your professional background? Yeah, in fact, I have started ARIA when I was in college. So since then, I have been working with, within ARIA. ARIA is the name of the startup that we are working on. So I, I'm the founder and CEO of the company. So I had the business and R&D for a product called ARIA XAI, which is ML Observability Framework. Since the last 10 years, I've been working on deep learning, rolling out deep learning for banks, financial services, and insurers. And I'm also a part of a multiple task force by either by the government or multiple private bodies as well. So before that, when I was in IT Bombay, so my background was, I was doing bachelor's and master's where my research was around deep learning at that time. So that's quickly about myself. Could you maybe take a step back and tell us why you founded the company? Yeah, sure. Actually, the gestation is quite interesting for us because as part of the master's, you have to do thesis where you have to do literature review and dig deep and uh, try to come up with some kind of novel topics or novel uh, within the area of research that we typically work on. So the problem that we faced was when I wanted to do research and try to find out these literature review and everything, I found a problem with how I'm searching or finding that needle in there because my area of research is in computer science as the topic that I picked up. So there are a ton of material around within computer science, right? There are multiple topics, subtopics, and everything. At that time, the options for me to do any kind of literature review is very rudimentary. I would have a Google Scholar to search for papers or enterprise or paid, uh, paid tools like Scopus or Science Direct. So these are the search engine tools for research papers. Both of them are simply a keyword mapping, keyword matching kind of search engines. So they're not actually solving my problem. So they're just dumping a bunch of papers on top of me. So that's where we thought, why don't we simplify the information interaction problem? Uh, and given that research is very important, which is science, technology, engineering, and uh, medicine research, STEM engineering research, right? Anything that I would want to do, I would want to work on something that may, that matters most for the next five years, 10 years like that. That can only happen when I spend my time more effectively on the topic rather than solving these on-ground tasks. So that, that became the motivation for us. We thought we were just exposed to deep learning at that point of time. 
So in 2013, that was a time period when ImageNet competition, deep learning beating, any other technical approaches, that, that became a big buzz within the research community. So we were also excited to see what we can do with it. So that's how we started Aryan. The first problem was try to build some kind of searching smart search and smart assistant to STEM researchers. We released our first product. We realized that uh, you know we were too early at that point and for two reasons. One was people are expecting these con- conversations. For example, the vision that we would wanted to achieve was what ChatGPT is doing today, right? When you feed in uh, data, I can converse with it, have answers with it and all of it. So that's what we were trying to do, trying to build in short for STEM researchers, like a professor as an assistant. So the technology was not fully matured at that point of time. We thought the problem is too, too soon to be solved when we launched. And then we pivoted. We pivoted saying that so building such a complex AI is very tough. So why don't we simplify it and simplify it for one industry, which is BFSI industry, which is banks, financial services, and insurance. So that's how we pivoted and started verticalizing our work for BFSI industry. So several things intrigued me about you, your company, and your product, and literally just looking at your website. So I'm going to start with your website. And just reading from your website, you say, the AI cloud for banks, insurers, and financial services, just as you just told us, your primary customer base. In the yeah. United States, those industries are all what we call regulated industries. Yeah. They are heavily regulated by the government and usually with good reason because they deal with financial people's money, et cetera. How do you see those sort of three, or do you see those sort of three industries actually connected in a way that allows you to deliver either a machine learning product or an AI product to them? Yeah, I think from for us, all three are interconnected in one way or the other uh, from a process or regulatory scope, for example, between banking, financial services and insurers, they are pretty much interconnected. All three are financial products, right, in the end. Uh, either you're doing savings or insurance or uh, you're doing borrowing in one way or the other. And then there is investment also in a very simplified layman terms. But the interesting thing is this BFSI, as we call it as, that industry is very private. Uh, that's one. Second, it's highly regulated, as you mentioned. And third, it has very real impact very quickly, very soon. So for example, if I want to build uh, an AI product, I could actually test it convince, and go live. Uh, as compared to similarly regulated industries like medicine, for example, or healthcare, going live with any kind of product, particularly using new age technology is tough, right? Because you need approvals from FDA and all of it to be able to actually use the product on ground, for example. But at the same time, it comes with risks. So if you are trying to productize such a new technology in an industry like BFSI, you have to guarantee and ensure that it's safe to use, it's auditable, it's transparent, there is clear accountability and all. So this is a tough problem to solve, actually. Not building the AI, but making sure AI is all these four things. Auditable, explainable, transparent, and safe, right? So this is a problem that we believe it's very unique, making the AI models acceptable within the BFSI industry is where we excel at as well. So because we had an opportunity to start off very early on, we had an opportunity to face the rejections very early on as well. Rejections from the regulators, rejection from the risk managers, saying that this is a two black box to use the model in production, for example, or I cannot underwrite what these decisions are from a reinsurer, for example. 
So we face those rejections very early on. So we have seen these problems on a first-hand basis. And hence, that's, we believe that verticalization along with these layers is going to be a big differentiator and big value add for the industry. So let me focus on one of your offerings, and that's around KYC. Yeah. So many of the listeners to this podcast are in the financial industry, and obviously KYC is a huge issue, both internally and from a regulatory perspective as well. Can you talk about how ARIA really can help a company specifically in the KYC area? Yeah. While we have established the problem statement saying that, you know, the verticalized AI cloud for banks, financial services, and insurers, the approach that we have taken is we divided the problem into two sub-problems. One is how do we make models distribution quite robust? For example, let's say we are talking about KYC as an example, right? So KYC is pretty much the same across these products, banks, insurers, and financial services. The depth or maybe additional factors may vary depending upon the end product, but it's pretty much more or less the same from a depth point of view, right? So what we have done is we have pre-trained models on top of this use cases. For example, okay, you want to do KYC where you the input is either structured, unstructured, or maybe a, a more simplified inputs. Like for example, in India, we have more simplified input, which is CKYC, for example. So these are the three options to do KYC at this point of time. So then how do you how do you use AI to automate this entire process and tell the customer is bank or insurer these users that, okay, I have validated uh, this customer is genuine because I have done these validations. I've done signature matching. I have done liveness detection. I've done face matching. I have validated the data. I have done all these tick marks automatically in the backend. Now you focus on bringing him and giving him the best best customer onboarding experience. So that's where these products can get differentiated very easily. What is the onboarding experience? So by by using these pre-trained models through our ARIA's API stack, our customers like banks, insurers, and financial services can actually automate a lot of KYC activities such that they are assured of the customer background and the data provided by the customer such that they focus on providing the product experience to the end customer. You've got a couple of terms on your website I'd like to ask you about. The first one is observable ML, which I assume means observable machine learning. Uh, If that's correct, could you explain what that term means? Yeah, we have talked about all this AI models, right? So for example, KYC's models, underwriting is a model. We have an underwriting AI model, frames AI model, fraud detection AI model, like that. So we would have trained and built multiple ML models. But as I said, going back to the initial proposition, so I cannot put black box models in production, right? You need a layer around it to ensure that these models are explainable. These models are auditable. These models are safe to use from that standpoint. So that layer of ML observability is what we have built. And we have excelled very well So in a way that our outputs, meaning our model output ran through these ML observability framework is now acceptable by pretty much all stakeholders. The stakeholder could be an underwriter, the stakeholder could be a customer or a regulator. Uh, They are comfortable with what the model is giving as an output. So this ML observability layer is what helping us to deliver this. One is transparency, as I said. Second is auditability of these models. Third is monitoring, meaning monitoring these models day in, day out to ensure that there is no data drift, concept drifts, the model is not deviating model is at its full consistency phase. And then the fourth thing is safety, meaning tomorrow, let's say, if model goes wrong, 
how do you protect the customer interest right how do you protect the interest of the bank the interest of the insurer for example so we are able to manage the model risk usage as well says that for the end customer who are using these models coupled with our ml observability framework give them the guarantee of these safety guardrails that they would want to productionize the model at scale so ml observability is a very core for us and i would say i think this is nothing different than any other software stack right meaning if you have a good software and a large transactions happening on that software you would use some kind of uh, observability framework so if the software now is ai if the software is the models you need an ml observability framework so that's what aria xai is the product that we have built it's called aria xai which means explainable ai that's the ml observability framework that we are, that we are offering to our customers today so what is responsible a responsible ai cloud so responsible ai cloud talk involves a lot of things it starts from how you have collected the data right and then it goes to the modeling itself and then the usage of it so those are the three broad aspects of a responsible ai so whenever you are training the model ensure that you are collecting the data in a responsible manner ethical manner so the the stack that we have we ensure we try to ensure that this is not somebody's private data or this is not somebody's some kind of leaked data from that standpoint second is the modeling itself so when you are building these ai ml models you have to ensure that there is no bias in the model the ethics are maintained and all of that and third is usage of the models usage of the models is as i said not black box uh, fully explainable fully auditable so the responsible ai cloud involves all of these components ethical and responsible way of collecting the data and again ethical and responsible way of building the models and ethical and responsible way of using these models so how do you deal with or how do you help a customer perhaps understand might be the better question the scalability of ai for instance yeah. i can use ai but i'm a solo person and i make yeah. a query and i can refine that query what if you're dealing with a large financial institution an insurance company or some other yeah. business which has thousands of employees how do you help a client or company think through that issue yeah so i think that's actually quite important which is the feedback loop right feedback loop or the scalability for these models for example if you take one of our use case let's say claims automation health claims automation health claims automation is very uh, human intensive process uh, where if some patient is in a hospital and has to go to a diagnosis uh they have to get the pre approval from the insurer or the approval from the insurer that this claim is good to go and hence the hospital can start the diagnosis so let's take this use case if somebody is going through a diagnosis and they need the insurer's approval on that claim says that the hospital can start the diagnosis or hospital can release the patient from the bills and all of that so here there are two things one even though we build a very high quality model it requires good enough feedback right and it has to be it has to be usable by a large set of audience for example in a markets like india where you have large amount of population which means each any kind of financial product is of a volumes of more than a million plus right you have that many transactions happening for any given product if you talk about the largest players in india they are talking about tens and millions of transactions so if you take these claims as a use case coupled with a population like india we are talking about a massive number of predictions right uh, and if if that many predictions are happening in production now we have to ensure that the claim, the models are working in a manner that 
it's not making errors and creating a lot of wrong predictions or wrong decisions so for example it should not reject a case where a claim is acceptable or vice versa it should not accept a claim where a claim is rejectable right it cannot make those kind of errors so imagine the problem that we are dealing with millions of transactions very sensitive high volume high value transactions so to able to do this you need more than a model as a product uh, you need a full fledged framework and feedback framework monitoring framework on, and all of that so this is of this is one of the reasons why we were able to optimize our frameworks for example as i said aria xai which is an ml observability framework unless you have a good observability on these transactions you don't know what's going wrong where it is going wrong and how much it has went wrong for example it's super critical to able to monitor these models in production and say that okay there is now a data drift so i should retrain my models such that the model remain consistent the predictions are qualitative the predictions quality is not deviating for example so you need a right feedback methodology such that the models are maintained consistently and still deliver these many transactions we are talking about let's say half a million million kind of transactions now let's take a more more high volume products like credit card transactions banking transactions or lending for example again the volume is more and more higher as we start taking those kind of products as well so that's why to able to achieve such kind of scalability unless you have this kind of frameworks it's impossible because i cannot put a model simply as is in production and expect that the model will take care of my problems that's not how ai works whenever you put, whenever you build a model the model can deviate its performance it can degrade over time so there are a lot of issues in production than any normal user could imagine scalability cannot be achievable unless you have the frameworks that can support it what are some of the top or what would you see as some of the top ethical issues in the use of ai in the business context yeah there are multiple things now so we are talking about the decisioning capacity of a super intelligence in the hands of everyone right so for example let's say i have an intention to do any kind of unethical activities my capacity would have been what i could think of right that's the that's the boundary of the activities that i could do now i have a superpower let's say an llm for example i'm smart enough i can build models or i can use stuff like llms now my capacity to do a damage is multifold right because the tool which can destruct is now given to hands of everyone with an intentions of positive and negative as well so it's unless these are guarded in some manner unless these are protected in some manner we could see a humongous misuse of such high performing models or ai for example so while i talk while i'm putting it in a very extreme scenario it could be as simple as some business who wants to leverage a market's opportunity builds an unethical modeling right for example as simple as non biased underwriting they should give fair treatment for males or females irrespective of ethnicity right so somebody will say that okay now i have a capacity to build a model my interest are super capitalistic meaning i want to get a lot of revenue so i simply build a very unethical model right it could be uh, the ethics are it's, it's the scale of ethics is as big as it can and as small as uh, as as it can be Uh, but in either case it's now easy to do anything it's quite easy to fool somebody it's quite easy to scoop somebody and scam somebody right like i can clone a voice i can clone the language quality i can clone a lot of things now right so it's going to be really hard 
uh, to ensure that people are uh, doing using this in a very ethical manner. So let me turn the focus a little to something a little different. Yesterday in the United States, Sam Altman, yep. who is the yep. CEO of OpenAI or ChatGPT, testified before the U.S. Congress, and he advocated the need for regulation in the area of AI and perhaps ChatGPT as well. Where do you see the need for regulation in AI? Yeah, it is absolutely needed for regulation specific to AI usage. From the point of building to from the point of using, you have to use, you have, if not clear regulations immediately, at least a path to a clear, clear regulations going forward. So I'll give an example. So let's say I use some technology and built a doctor, right? Now I'm providing that as a SaaS service, for example. Typically, I can do that even today without any regulations. Uh, I can give medical advice to some person, any person today, right? But if, uh, in reality, if you take that same problem in reality, a, only a doctor can do medical advices and doctor has to go through a lot of certifications, right? From academia to regulator to licenses. And there is a governing body in terms of what kind of advices these doctors are giving. Advice is nothing but a diagnosis. Simply saying that you have, this is a diagnosis and this is the execution, for example. So today it's quite easy to do the same medical doctor, what a doctor is doing without any regulations, right? I can create some service and give a lot of wrong advices to people and there could be laws of life as well. Uh, it could also save lives, but it can also lead to laws of life, right? Unless it is regulated, while we have regulated bodies and licensing as a method, we being a human experts, we can call them as experts, for example, expert functions, right? Medical, all these expert functions, or even legal, for example, you have bar that can, that can overview the performance of a lawyer and all of that. Uh, you need such governing bodies to use such AI as well. So if somebody has to productionize medical related orgies, they have to go through this kind of authentication, what a medical doctor would go through, for example. Not similar, but similar is, is not going to be enough for AI. There, it has to be something different. It has to be some entirely different framework. So that's, that, that's what I would envision. At some point of time down the line, you would have specific governing, governing rules and frameworks. Wherever AI is published, they have to go through this to become usable. Like FDA approved for a medical bot, for example. I'm just saying FDA as an example, but it should be something like that, isn't it? Or else there is there, there would be a massive misinformation in the entire world. Uncontrollable misinformation, in fact. So I, I would say for all reasons, it has to be regulated and it has to be regulated immediately. If, if not with clear regulations, at least in the guidelines of the regulations. For example, in Europe, uh, you have those near near similar regulations, right, are, are going to be applied very soon. There is a dialogue, there is a discussion, so it has to be something like that. I'm definitely pro towards regulations. I don't think any AI builder is against regulations unless they have malicious intentions. And they, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, Ira, your company, Ira or any of the topics we've touched on, what would be the best place or places you would suggest they go? Yeah. So they can reach out to me over my email, which is my first name, Vinay at Aria.ai, or they can reach out to me over LinkedIn. So I'm very proactive in LinkedIn as well. So either places, they can reach out to me and ping me as well. I want to give a shout out to your website because it has a ton of resources that are available for free. And I learned a lot just reading 
some of the resources you have on your website. So I wanted to thank you for that. Vinay, I've really enjoyed this. I hope we can continue this conversation. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure being here. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this inaugural episode of Compliance and AI. We're going to have a lot of fun with this series, so I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and this podcast series. If you'd like to explore compliance and AI on this podcast, please give me a shout at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. If there are topics you'd like considered, you can email me those as well, and I'll do my best to get a podcast up answer your question or questions. Compliance and AI is a part of the award-winning Compliance Podcast Network.